0: Well, this morning, I wanted a kind of quick review. This is what you do when you're trying to get people to really learn something, right? I do this in my classes. We've got to have a little review time. Do you remember Psalm 19? Wait, what? The last two Sundays, we've been looking at parts from Psalm 19. Remember? Um, May the words of my mouth and these meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. And we've talked about these last two weeks that our words, have you been watching your words? Were they better this week? How about your thought life? Was it, was it different? We talked a lot about worry, but there's a lot of other ways our thoughts can dishonor God, whether it's anger, unforgiveness, whether it's you know, just, I don't know, being consumed by one passion or another. There's many ways our thoughts can dishonor the Lord. We want lives to live for the glory of God. That's really what he's called us to. But so often, you know, we've got the little things we want to do in our life. I was talking with a friend of mine, young student, you know him actually, uh, and he's going to Hawaii for a year. His work said, hey, you want to go and take this position in Hawaii just for a year? I was just wondering, I don't know if Valley Baptist Church has that kind of a plan, but I thought if you need your pastor to spend a year in Hawaii, I would be open to that option. But his work has said, you can go and live in Hawaii for a year. We'll pay for everything. We'll take care of it. And he's like, he's like okay, you betcha. I'll go, you know, young single guy. He's like, you bet. I'll go live in Hawaii. I was met with him this week. I said, well, what do you want to do when you go to Hawaii? There's so many things to do. And we talked about the snorkeling. We talked about the hiking. And we talked about uh, the scuba diving. We talked about the deep sea fishing. All the different things you could do in Hawaii. His response was skydiving. I want to do skydiving at least once in my life. I want to jump out of you with just me, the wind, the air, and of course the guy strapped to your back that really knows what he's doing, right? Hopefully that'll get you down to the those extreme living. I got thinking about that. We see a lot of those extreme Whatever, right? Extreme sports where people are that they live in. Um, we see these extra, extreme life, and we kind of, say, yeah, that's exciting. Okay. Let's come back to Psalm 19 and look at how it sort of talks about a life that has limits. Not this extreme life without limits. Read with me from the beginning in verse 7. We heard this already in our call to worship. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. And the commands of the Lord are radiant, is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, verse 8 The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, and the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord, are firm, and all of them are righteous. These laws, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. It's not really coming across as a life without limits, is it? In fact, when we hear this passage from God in Psalm 19, and again, I've been reading a little bit in my own time and with the Lord in Psalm 119, they are psalms or hymns to God's Word. They are speaking about glorifying God in His Word, and that God's Word becomes a central idea in our life, that it sets limits, it sets boundaries, it sets the path for what is the good life. It's life with limits. And we want life without limits, you know, jump out the airplane, snowboard off the top of the mountain, we want, but actually, life with limits has benefit. This is a picture from a little mountain road in Peru. Um, It says, if you you can read it, it's like uh, curvas peligrosas, right? Dangerous curves, right? It's like, uh, watch out. Uh, when I saw this little sign, I'm like, okay, all right, you know, you know what that means. It means, you know, be careful. There might be a, a real sharp hairpin turn, something like this. And as I found myself driving a Toyota SUV up a mountain <clears throat> in Peru, taking a group of college students that were going to spend the whole summer there, and they talked me into, Let, let's rent a vehicle. It'll be better. It was not better. <clears throat> the road was fine for a while, but the farther we got up, the more to go up the mountains in Peru, to get up into the Andes, they became these switchback roads. You know what I'm talking about when we say switchback? It goes one direction and then there's a hairpin curve and it goes the other direction. Then there's a hairpin curve and it goes the other, and it goes back and forth and back. And forth, and as the mountain got higher and higher, all the students were making comments like, look, we can see way down there, you know, because it's pretty much a straight drop off on one side, and it's straight mountain on the other side, and it is one lane, almost one lane. I don't think it was a full one lane. It was like a mostly one lane road. And it doesn't matter if you have four-wheel drive or not, because all of a sudden when there's a giant truck coming the other direction, you're expected to move. I don't know where you move, but you have to put it in reverse and try to go back down the mountain and get to the widest spot possible and hope that you don't just, you know. I like guardrails. I've never been thankful before for guardrails. I've never been thankful before for those little rumble strips in the lane where you've got plenty of margin over here for error. There's plenty of room for you to like, oh, yeah, I I drifted in my lane a little bit. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's still plenty of room. We need boundaries. God knows we need boundaries. A secure life, a good life, a fulfilling life is not this life where it's like do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. God knows us. He created us. He's called us to a life that has boundaries, that has limits. In fact, what I want you to see this morning is that God's word, God's limits give us a refreshing security. A refreshing security. Look again at verse seven. The law is, of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Did you notice that odd connection? We typically think refreshment is when I'm on vacation and I can do whatever I want, whatever I feel like during the day. But instead it says, no, 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 no. God's word brings true refreshment to the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. God's Word actually, by giving us those secure limits, help us feel refreshed, renewed when we're in that right place. We're in that healthy zone. We know this is the right way. I'm walking in the path. I'm within the framework of what God designs. There is a refreshment that comes from that. There is something that feels secure. There's something that feels good. And I'm not saying that's just for the personality types that are a little more, you know, cautious but that's really for all of us because there are those dangerous curves in life. There are those unsettling places. Some of those have real life consequences that can be pretty detrimental. Some of those are just in the mundane decisions of life where we're just like, I don't exactly know what to do, but I like to have a plan. I like to have some security. Anybody doing car shopping? anybody like car shopping? Why do you shake your head? I mean, it's a car. I mean, it's kind of new. They've got new features. They're often very pretty. Nobody likes car shopping? I get a lot of head. Some of you may be yes, but a lot of us are like, you know, no, why do we not like car shopping? Well, you know how it goes. You go into the dealership and all of a sudden it feels like you're stuck there and you weren't going to buy this, but then suddenly you feel like you bought something you weren't going to buy and then it costs more than you didn't want to. Okay, I'm going to give you some tips here. This is just an aside. This really isn't the sermon. But just in case you're out car shopping, here's Mike's um, three steps to buying a car. Number one, you need to do your research, right? You need to know what's a good car. You need to know the right kind of car that fits you and fits your needs. You need to know the right price range for that car. You need to do your research. There's plenty of information on the Internet. Number two, you need to have a plan. You need to know which cars you're going to see, which places you're going to go look for those cars. You're going to need to do your research and then have a plan and stick to your plan. Finally, you need to set your spending limits, right? You need to know how much you're willing to pay and not pay. Anybody feel like this is helpful? Let me go ahead and give you my step four. Step forward, throw out the first three and just go ahead and get talked into whatever the guy talks you into. Because that's what's going to happen. We're going to get stuck there. We're going to spend our time. That's what happens to me every time. i like, I have this plan. I have my thoughts. And then it's like, well, we kind of like this one. Okay, we're there. Okay. Gosh, how much did it cost? Well, that'll be okay. Well, now, oh, do we add on this? Do we add on that? Oh, good grief. And you spent more than you thought. I don't know. That's... I wish I'd stuck to my I always think, I always have that regret, right? I always think if, if I, I still might like it. I still might like my car. But I always think if I had stuck to my plan, would I have gotten a better deal? Would I have gotten something that, that's more right for me? If I just, uh, there's a refreshment there's a, that comes when we stick to the plan. That's what God's saying about his word. That instead of living life with sort of this anxiety of, I don't know what's going to happen, or I don't know if I made the right decision, or I don't know if this is good. Look at what the Lord says in his word again, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes us. It gives us that security that, no, I've made choices that are in accordance with His Word. I've been forgiving where He said to be forgiving. I've obeyed Him and honored my family. I've honored my wife. I've been faithful in the task that He's given me to do. As I've walked in this step and step where God's Word has guided me, there is a refreshment of security of like, this is good, and it's refreshing. It makes wise the simple Instead of just getting talked into whatever the world says we're supposed to do, or whatever the way the world says we're supposed to live, or however we're supposed to keep up with the Joneses, sorry, Joneses, but keep up with some other people out there, or we're trying to compare ourselves or have the kind of job that somebody else wants for me. No, I want to stay in line with your truth, because your glory is what satisfies. Well, not only does it give sort of this refreshing Um, security. It also gives, I think the scripture is interesting, this sort of like joyous sense of God leading his guidance in our lives. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant and they give light to the eyes. God's Word actually brings us joy as God is lighting the path of our lives, knowing that His direction is secure, that His promises are holding firm, that when He has promised to give us direction, He will. Big decisions, all right, the car is one, but you know the bigger ones, right? There are bigger decisions sometimes. What career direction are you gonna take? What, are you going to major in a certain thing in college? Are you gonna learn a certain trade? Are you, what is that, that calling in your life? We're often stressed out about that. How about marriage? That's the biggie, right? Am I making this decision? Who to marry, who to commit my life to? Anybody stressed out about that one? Yeah, that one's stressful. I did the same young lady for seven years before we got married. I was still a little bit like, is she the right one? You're like, obviously Vicky's the right one. She was perfect for you and you were lucky to get her. I know you I know that now. But we get stressed out about those big decisions. I remember my, my roommate from college, we were talking about getting married, and uh, he got married later than the rest of us that were sort of of that friend group. And I remember Bill saying at the uh, rehearsal dinner, he was kind of giving a little word, and Bill said, you know, people always used to say, you'll know when you know, and when you know, you know. And he said, I never knew what they meant to say that you know, you know. But he said, now that I know, I know that I know, and I know that they knew that they knew. I'm not sure it was the best speech, <laughs> I've got to be honest. I'm not sure, but it made some sense that there was a confidence that he had that the young lady he was committing his life to was the right person, was the one that was for him, the one that would bless his life and that he would bless hers, and that the commitment they were making was for a lifetime. Knowing that it's the right decision. You know. I often talk with young students who are considering getting married. And one of the first things I ask them is, well, where is your walk with Jesus right now? Where is your walk with Jesus right now? Because instead of saying, well, let's like a bunch of pros and cons. Well, she cooks well, and she's very pretty, and I really kind of, we have a lot of fun together. Instead of going through this list of pros and the cons, but, you know, know, I wish her hair was longer. I mean, I don't know. You've got these pros and cons over here. Where is your walk with God in making these decisions? If you are walking with Him, if you are walking in His truth, or if you're walking according to His words, you are walking in a way that you want to be with the person who is also seeking to glorify God, is seeking, you're on a common life path, you have a common life purpose, and you have the character that is for that common life commitment. How in the world are you gonna make the biggest decisions of your life when you're not walking in the way God has called you to walk. There is a security, um, there is a joy, there is a confidence that comes when we're walking in light of God's Word. Listen to what Psalm 119 says Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When things seem cloudy, when they seem disorienting, when you don't know what you're supposed to do or what decision you're supposed to make, there is a glorious freedom, there is a joyous confidence that comes when we know we're walking in step with God's word. Does that mean that God gives us direct answers every time for every choice? No, but we can have confidence. I was in a crisis about six years ago. I didn't know what to do. It felt huge. I couldn't sleep. Anybody get that when you got a big decision? Three and four a.m., I mean, I was up. I just couldn't sleep. And I don't know what you do at 4 a.m. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what do you want? I mean, I want to go back to sleep is what I want. But I couldn't go back to sleep. I could, just what am I going to do? And I would pray, but honestly, sometimes prayer wasn't helping me much, right? Because it was like, Lord, what should I do? Lord, what should I do? Lord, what? And I never got the, here's what you should do. That would be great. That would be perfect. A nice light from heaven. Just show me just a ma-. So I just started reading. Just started reading God's word. Just put it in my, it's the only thing that would calm me down. It was the only thing that would, would, would sort of like refresh my soul. It was the only thing that just would kind of give me peace for the moment. Now, it didn't last. I mean, all throughout the day, I started worrying about it again. I had to go back to God's word. I'd go, and finally, I made a decision. I was like, I think this is the right one. And I was talking to my wife, and she said, it was pretty insightful, really. She's often very insightful. She said, you've been seeking the Lord so much right now. I don't know how you could make a wrong decision. Now, that's not like, oh, I'm going to go rob the bank then. No, no, no. But I'm seeking God's word. I'm seeking to live according to his truth. I'm seeking his presence. I'm seeking his favor. I'm seeking his guidance. I'm seeking to glorify him. And I'm doing it through his word and allowing his word to saturate my my heart and my mind. And so, yes, I'm going to step out in faith that this is the right decision. That your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. That confidence that comes, that joyous freedom that comes from walking in his ways. Now, that's way number one. But I think there's another way that God, through his word, actually helps us when those big decisions come. Our character starts looking like his character. We start knowing what he wants for us. But because we know him, we know his heart. We know his word. I've often talked to students about these ideas. I just talked to you about the young man who's got the opportunity to go to Hawaii. Of course that's God's will, right? Anybody? Well, is it? It was interesting as we talked. He said, I said, what are you what do you want to do? Oh, yeah, skydiving. I said, what's your biggest fear? He said, I think what I'm afraid of is being able to still stay connected to God's people and God's and, a, and a church and a place that I'm growing and I'm able to serve. My parents have been missionaries in Hawaii and spent a lot of their time over the last six years there. I have some really close friends that do a lot of church and church planning. And so before we even got back uh, from dinner, I've already texted my friends in Hawaii, and they're already coming back, hey, we've got this couple different churches for you, we've got places for you to serve, and he's already locking in with some people. God already has designs for us. He's God, His will. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work which He's laid out in advance for you to do. The problem is when we're disconnected from His Word, we don't understand His character. We don't understand His heart. We just start looking for what things look like they are going to benefit us rather than what are the things that God may be calling us to that might be sacrificial like God is sacrificial or restorative, like God is restorative. I think good boundaries are really helpful, but maybe God is calling me to try to work to restoration. Maybe I want to just be mad and in my anger, but God is calling me to forgiveness. Maybe I want to do something that seems to make my name great, where God is calling me to a place to humble myself, to make His name great and glorious. Maybe God is call- When I know God's Word, I know His character. When I know His character, I so typically know His will. Look what it says in Micah 6.8. It's a familiar passage, but it just says, He's shown you already, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Are the decisions that I'm making in accordance with His Word, if I'm thinking about my own uh, self-aggrandizement, I want to make my own name famous, I want to make my own life easy... God hasn't necessarily called us to an easy life. Did anybody know that? I got that out of a Switchfoot song. It was like, easy life, take me off your list. I'm thinking, well, you could put me on there sometimes, at least on the weekend. I, mean, I you know, I'm, I'm, wow. Yes, Lord, you've called me to sacrifice. Yes, Lord, you've maybe called me to the hard way. Yes, Lord, you've called me to follow in the footsteps of your Son who gave his life as a ransom for many. Lord, make me like your Son, Jesus. Love justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Act justly. Maybe not just love justice, but actually do it. And that makes sense too. Third, I think it's this. God's limits, God's law provide a firm foundation for a lifetime. Firm foundation for a lifetime. It says this in verse 9, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. Some of the older members of our congregation... The more seasoned members of our congregation, the members of our congregation who have been walking with the Lord for decades, have so much to teach us young people. Um, I'm I'm, I'm still, (laughs) that's young ones, you know, we're, we're just getting started about walking with the Lord. Those of you that have been walking with the Lord, can you say with me that the Lord's ways have always been right? That they have, uh, he has always been faithful and that the paths he has set with, for you have always been good? The Lord is good. What he does is good. Lord, teach us your ways. That's Psalm 119. Lord, you are good and your ways are good. Teach us your ways. The, God has been good. That doesn't mean everything in the world has been good, but God and his ways have been good. When I have followed him, it's always been better. Not always easier, not always exactly what I wanted, but always good, always for my ultimate good, ultimately for the good of others. God is good, and I am always thankful every time I have made the choice to walk with the Lord. I think those of us who are older, and this time I put myself in that category, we also know that when we've chosen our own ways, They've never gone the right way. They've never been what has actually yielded what I thought it would yield. Sin has often gotten a hold of our hearts and our minds, and it's held us captive a lot longer than we ever dreamed. And it did more destruction than we ever thought possible. That's what happens when we reject the Lord's ways. It just is. is. God's ways are pure, enduring forever. So I'm talking to my young guys here in the crowd. This is when I started. It was when I was in middle school, high school. I just began to read a little bit of scripture every day. Those little stories from Jesus, those words from him, the stories from the New Testament, the stories from the Bible. And to let God begin to shape my character and shape who I was. And whenever I've strayed from that, it's not gone well. You know, Jesus told that story, right, in Matthew chapter 7. He says, therefore, if anyone hears my words and puts them into practice... They're like a man, a wise man, who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because its foundation was on the rock. We have some people in our congregation right now who are facing difficult days. The rains come. The storms come. That's just here. That's just in this world. And some of those storms are so intense, I don't know how they're handling it. I don't know how I could handle it. And yet, I know that God and His ways are true. That He provides a firm foundation that we can live in the reality of hope because He's got us. His ways hold fast. But listen to what it says. Those who hear my words and put them in practice. You've got to not only hear them, that means consistently hear them. Not just hear them on Sundays. Not just hear them whenever Pastor Mike shares some. That means consistently hear God's word in your life. You need to hear them and do them. Do them. Live out what God has called you to live out. He says the opposite is also true. Look at verse 26 um, of Matthew chapter 7. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, they're still hearing the words, but not doing, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain still came. (laughs) The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. We all know that Valley Baptist Church is a moment of going through a revitalization process, of saying, hey, can this place be the place where God is moving? He's already moving, but would He continue to bring transformation in lives? It's not going to be easy. It's not going to call for sacrifice. It's not going to be the, 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 the quick path, but it's got to be the path that's in accordance with God's Word. The call today is for you, as people of this church, of this congregation, to say, yes, I'm committed to God and His Word. One, to hear it, and also to do it. To live it out, and to daily put it in my life so that I know God and His character. It's a sure foundation. It gives us that confidence. It gives us joy for a lifetime. But we've got to apply it. So here's where it gets a little, <clears throat> I don't know, a little pointed. How does God's word fit into your life right now? Is it that occasional guilt-free read? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh gosh, I haven't picked this one up for a while. Let me get the dust off. Let's see, where was I? The occasional guilt, guilt-relieving kind of? Is it only at church? Is this the only scripture that has entered your life this week? Is it the, I kind of remember how it goes. I, yeah, I remember those stories. There was like, oh, I don't remember his name. It was like Joseph, you know, and he had that coat of many colors. And then, you know, he had baby Jesus or something. No, no, different Joseph. I kind of, is it kind of vaguely back there somewhere? Well, I think for some of us, we get into this place where it's a disciplined drudgery. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to my Bible reading yet today. I guess i got to hurry up and check that off my list. Where was I? Okay, let's see. Can I do a speed read? Uh, okay. Listen to what the psalmist says. They, your words, verse 10, are more precious than gold, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them, There is great reward. Have you looked more at your retirement plans than at God's Word? Are you more interested in how much money that your money has made than in truths from His Word? Are you more interested in some kind of entertainment, whether it's music, whether it's video, whether it's even just like the refreshment of some really great food, than just nourishment, Jesus said it this way, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Is it sweet to your soul? And then are you taking warning? Are you following them? Because in that there's great reward. I think that like like a lot of things, we acquire a taste from God's Word. You taste and see that it is good. You know that it speaks to your heart. But sometimes in that discipline we actually develop where we need it, where we long for it. Part of it is our attitude going in. If we will take the time, even as very, very young teenagers, if we will take the time, even as seasoned veterans, if we will take the time as adults to just say, God, I'm making a place for your word because I know you speak and you speak truth and you give that security and you give that joy. And you give that guidance. You bring transformation and protection. And life that is life. Come to God's Word daily. Come to it expectantly. And come to it with a sense of joyous refreshment that God gives. The challenge is that for all of us. We challenged you last week to begin to pray for the church. Would you also pick up His Word daily so that God might make us the kind of people that are prepared for the work and the decisions and the steps that He's called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it does bring nourishment to our soul. We pray that Your Word would correct the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts so we would be pleasing in Your sight. You are our rock. You are our Redeemer. Bring this reality. Let this be a place of Your Word where we tremble and know and walk in accordance and rejoice in your limits, your laws, your precepts, your revelation that ultimately is about your Son. So we pray this in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we close with this verse. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Today, if Jesus is not your rock and redeemer, you have never said yes to him. You've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. You've never asked the Lord to be Lord of your life. Maybe today is your day. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here with us, maybe today is your day. You come. I'll be at the front if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior Or talk to me afterwards. But don't wait. If you're at home, maybe you just ask Jesus, come into my life today. Be my Savior. I can't be like I am. Come and change me. You respond as God is calling you.